0: Welcome to Meaning What. I'm your host, Mason Hershanov. On today's episode, Sean and I talk to the band Post65 about vulnerability in songwriting, the importance of finding and working at your own pace, and the things that the pandemic will hopefully change about productivity and creative culture. Welcome to Meaning What, everybody! Big party today Woohoo. we are joined today by the band post sixty five and if you guys want to introduce yourselves yeah I'll
1: start um hisham pronouns are he him i uh sing and write songs for uh the band post sixty five I play keys and some guitar as well
2: I'm Kim my pronouns are she her. I play guitar in post-65, and I do a little bit of production arrangement work as well.
3: I'm John. Pronouns are he, him. I also play guitar in post-65, and occasionally dabble in some, some beep boops.
0: We wanted to sort of base the episode today around a question, specifically, why is being vulnerable when songwriting important to you? I guess the best way to start with this is... How does songwriting generally work for your group? Is it a sort of shared experience or does it tend to lean more heavily one person or the other?
1: I'd love to hear y'all's take on this. Cause I, yeah, because I feel like <laughs> it's a, it's a multi-perspective thing. So I don't know, John and Kim, maybe, maybe you guys answer first and then, and then, and then I'll go. John. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so songwriting goes like this where nobody wants to start.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a challenge. (laughs) I'll go. Um, I didn't
0: mean to put you on the spot there. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I
2: mean, it's just such a weighted question. I think from the very beginning, the band was formed around Hisham songwriting. So he's sort of the focal point. He comes up with initial ideas for sketches, just like small song ideas, He, at this point, is doing all of the producing as well for stuff that we're releasing. He's doing all the recording. So I think that he is at the core of the songwriting process. And there's sort of like a trickle down sort of method as um, much as I wish I now hadn't said that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think that he we've gotten to this really good groove where he'll send an idea out to me and John, probably initially just to sort of flesh out like the melodic side of things. And then he'll pass it along to our bass player and our drummer to get sort of core rhythmic ideas. and then it comes back to us to sort of flesh out. And then it just like swirls around the band for a while. But it always starts at the top with Hisham because, you know, he's writing the lyrics. and so all of this sort of emotional core is coming straight from him.
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I think Asham definitely provides, you know, the the seed of every song. He has 18 zillion sketches and beginning ideas for songs that he cycles through and tries to develop a bit. And then it goes through this this iterative process, like Kim was saying, where we each add on a little thing which might spur an idea in someone else, so they add something, and then it just builds from there
1: yeah yeah all of this is true uh yeah i mean it's it just starts with these sketches i mean we have um at this point we have um um okay can we
0: say google can we, we say don't google have any drive? paying sponsors so we can okay, okay. yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. okay okay, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah so we have we have well i don't know like we have a google no, drive a good... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have um we have a google drive that that we started a year a year ago maybe a couple of years ago and i add all of the sketches idea they're dated and and I keep adding updates on those as I'm working on them, and from there, you know, based on like if we have plans or if we have a scheduled release or something like that, then I'll just kind of like focus in on one that'll kind of like get a bunch. Of, you know, that that'll be the focus of of the work that I do, and you know, it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of versions of songs. I think by the time we we come out with a tune, we're at we're at version thirty or.
2: Yeah, we like to simmer. <laughs> we don't we don't often turn things around very quickly, but I personally would prefer that to the alternative. I like to let something stew for a little bit. Let the like way that I'm feeling from day to day change how I feel about the song and then write accordingly. So it's we're a little bit slow, but that's okay.
4: Quality over quantity always. I think so.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know. That's is that Let's Do whatever you want and just
0: be happy. I can't judge anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Some, some, Certainly something over quantity.
0: Quantity can't be the goal. I suppose that also just depends on what the goal is, though. Like, if you want to make something that is um, moving in any way, you certainly generally have to spend a little bit of time on it.
2: Yeah, I I was just going to say, I think our, our goal has changed a lot over the last couple of years. Like. What we've wanted out of the project, what we've expected from ourselves and each other has shifted a lot. Um, And I think the pandemic actually gave us sort of permission to like let ourselves breathe in the songwriting process. I think before it was like there's a lot of pressure to put a song out and to do a tour to support the song and to like really be, you know, making stuff happen all the time because it's so, you know, competitive now. Uh, And with the pandemic, it's like everything is completely fucked. So like, why not, you know, (laughs) just like breathe into it and take the deeper inhales and and listen for a little bit longer if it's going to lead you to like a more authentic place in the end.
0: So the pandemic has sort of slowed down the process.
2: I, yeah, I would almost say like the pandemic slowed down everything around us. <laughs> so now there's less like less of a feeling of being behind and not being like quick enough or productive enough or like out there enough. Right. Uh, and so it's almost like everybody else sort of came down to our level and now we feel a little bit more comfortable owning what we did. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, no, is that horrible. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no shows. No. So like everybody is in the creative space. And that's where we feel most comfortable, I think, as a band and individually is like we prefer to be in the studio making the sketches, making the weird sounds and stuff rather than, you know, planning a tour and promoting on social media. And so if everybody is doing the same thing, it's like there's a little bit more openness from the people we're giving our music to as well. And like we are I think Hisham has been collaborating with people that maybe he wouldn't have had the chance to collaborate with you know, before. So it's just everybody's sort of suffering in the same way, which I think leads to beautiful art. But now I, I feel a little bit like a dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the pandemic certainly kind of played to uh, some of our songwriting dynamics from before where I think if, if I have to come up or if, if I'm coming up with a sketch, I do have to like, kind of like go away for a second and come back. And I think that having more time to do that, certainly being more alone certainly having more time for for contemplation which is of course the beginning of a lot of other things that are much worse than contemplation but with especially with with what's been happening for the past few months when i when i didn't have work anymore for those first few months i i went into it pretty aggressively you know just recording and i think i wrote two whole songs which generally like a song takes about a year and i think like i ended up finishing one in four or five weeks And then just like went straight into the next one, and then and then evidently, like most folks, started spiraling. So I think contemplation is certainly the beginning of the good beginning of something that can that can get much worse, and that has gotten much worse for for a lot of folks.
4: So was one of these songs that came from this period of peace and spiraling um, the most recent single, Middle
1: Child. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, we, uh, we, uh, we actually finished recording that quite some time ago, which n- now now begins the indictment of how slow we are at writing and finishing songs. Uh, no, that one started writing it in January of 2018, uh, very early January, and then finished recording it in August of, or finished writing it in August of 2019. I think we did some touch-ups after that. We just finished mixing it you know, a few, f- few months ago. So, yeah, it was like, oh, 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 two years.
2: Do you notice how he whispers <laughs> as he starts talking about the timeline? <laughs> I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of, but it, it's it been a minute.
0: That's one of those tricky things about any sort of art production that is really hard to communicate not only to people outside of the arts, but sometimes to other artists who mm-hmm. might do the exact same thing. But, like, if anybody sits down and really thinks about how long it takes to get any piece done of any of any kind, it's usually a, a pretty long process. And then when we go and, and we sit down and we actually have to talk about it, it's like, oh, no, I was... Definitely working on that. Only for a couple of months there, and it and it was done. You know,
4: which gets into weird value judgments of like commodifying productivity mm. and blah 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 capitalism, blah blah blah, and how that poisons art.
2: You're speaking John's language.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think my sense of self is very very tied into how how productive I am with music, which is kind of sad, um and something I'm trying to kind of like separate from a little bit. But you know, cognitively, of course, I know this. I know that there is like or I I have a sense of where this idea comes from that I have to be productive in order, in order to be worthwhile, but physically, physiologically, I mean, it's certainly something that, that I'm, I'm not immune to like talk to me uh, if I haven't worked uh, on music for two weeks, or if I, if if I haven't had any good ideas for, for two weeks and I, I, I'm a nightmare to be around and, and I'm a nightmare to be period. I, I feel, I know where that comes from, I think, but.
3: Where do you think that comes from? If if, if you want to dive into that, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think I think you know. Uh, I mean, it's it's a combination of certainly a few things. It's you know the, the inner circle, of course. Like this is kind of stuff that you inherit from your parents mm-hmm. about like how much work you're doing, and you know, I, I always make this joke about my father uh, when I was a kid. I used to do my homework on on Friday nights because you know just 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 you know getting ready for my crazy social life on saturday and sunday and i used to i used to like run down the stairs after i've done all my homework and and you know like i had i had some trouble with math uh, growing up just run down the stairs and i would see my dad oftentimes around friday nights he'd be like drinking a gin and tonic and just like reading newspaper or whatever and i'd be like all right dad i'm done i have finished my math homework and he would just like half fold the newspaper Look at me and just say, math is never over. Go back to work. And then I just, like, (laughs) 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 I just, like, and I think, like, we did this exercise for weeks and, like, for months even. Just, like, me just, like, slumping back upstairs, like, I guess he's right. All right. Like, and, um, yeah, I mean, music is kind of the same. (laughs) It is never (laughs) over. (laughs) <laughs> it is never over in the same way. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I think there's that. And there's also the sense that like, you know, outside of, of course, just like direct p- parental influence. And, and, you know, my father was like that. My mother was the same. I mean, obsessed with work as well in the same way that sometimes I think I am. But I mean, outside of that, I think the world that we live that we live in certainly contributes to that. It contributes to this idea that like what you yield is directly related to your right to be here, your right to to exist in this world. And, you know, and this this is something that this is such a strong idea that I think we've seen it. You know, this is something that, that, that we carry ideologically, certainly not only into our daily lives, but in legislation and in immigration law and in I doubt this is this is uh, an affliction only of artists, but I'd be surprised if it was. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> you know, I think it might be fair to say that it's felt and acutely right now in the arts, maybe not exclusively, but like you were saying, suddenly all of the checkpoints of of productivity are gone, whether that be shows or that be the the more social aspects of of things that we used as checkpoints in our careers, whatever the creative Sort of output is, we can't do those anymore. And there's been, I don't, I don't know about all of you, but like certainly in my circles, there's been this really weird vacuum for eight months where everybody is simultaneously trying to figure out a lot of times individually, like, well, what is my new checkpoint? Mm. All the things I'm counting on are gone. And now, well, what do I base myself worth on? You know? And I, I feel like I'm starting to see, People finally sit down and go, "Oh, wait, I can, I can set up those checkpoints, right?" And like, maybe my, my two-year period of turning out a piece of work is okay. But there's still that pull of just like, I have to meet a deadline. I don't know what that deadline is, but I got there's some checkpoint that I'm missing. And I feel,
1: I feel also. I mean, there's also a lot of pressure around that and around what, um, what being an artist looks like maybe and what the narratives of being an artist i mean um i think like most folks i was not an artist until i became one (laughs) and so i think there's a lot of messaging about what it meant to make stuff that i think i absorbed before i actually started making things and there is this strange sense that there's something prophetic or somehow the you know the the clouds are going to part and the light is just going to shine on you and then you will yield work almost by magic and you know and I think that that idea even though I hate it so bitterly is an idea that I think somehow I still weirdly I think in my body kind of believe in uh after like writing songs now for for about 10 years I know that's not how that works and I know that it's like there's so much more like industriousness to it somehow still I'm like I am behind because the again you know this the sea is not parting into the 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 light is not shining on me and i'm i'm coming up with stuff um like one 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 bit at a time versus just this kind of like massive flood which i think we all get like really weird messaging about that and about being artists in that in that way i don't know if y'all have felt have felt that way
2: who's y'all the royal y'all yeah well <laughs> yeah. anyone who makes anything oh <laughs>
1: y'all who make things
0: it's that myth of the creative genius right of like if you are good enough to to produce you will you will be struck by greatness and and produce and intuitively i know that's not how it works right and i know that's not how i make things and i know that anytime that i've tried to rely on that it hasn't worked and and that it's actually really serious hard work but there's there's always that thing in in the back of the mind where it's like this work is somehow not legitimate, or I'm not working hard enough because I am not struck by this great creative genius. John and Kim, are you sort of experiencing similar things? Mm. John, you go first.
3: Regarding this notion of the seas parting and feeling bad about not feeling that,
0: yeah. Start. starting there. I'm curious too, because in a you know in a collaborative sort of situation, especially when Describing how you guys write songs, like the seed is planted um, by Hasham and and then sort of grows out of that, and so maybe to an outsider, especially like it, there could be this thought that like you know you guys always have something to jump off of, maybe and and have somewhere to to go from. So I, I'm just curious if like especially in this particular project, if you have similar experiences or if it is in fact easier to you know, to get moving because you have that starting point?
3: I think it is easier to have that starting point because when I'm working on things just on my own, just my own little silly music things, I struggle to finish basically anything. I have a bunch of, you know, little 30-second snippets here and there, but I work in them for a bit and then maybe get discouraged and move on. But having that seed of an idea from Hisham and I guess the knowledge that, it will continue to be worked on by someone else. And that, I guess maybe I have a duty to contribute to that process. That keeps me plugging away, even if it seems frustrating. There was a song that we wrote, I don't remember when, when did we write Infinite Sea?
1: From October, 2017 until, I mean, ongoing really. Recorded drums (laughs) in October of 2019.
3: I remember one day in particular where I was working on what we were going to do with the end of the song. And I think we had this chord progression that Hisham had written and it's in kind of a funky meter, but we didn't really know how to fill it out, like figure out what it should sound like. But there's just one day where I sat down and for several hours, probably six to eight hours, I just sat and played guitar and finally came up with one riff that sounded good, and so I recorded that, and then for some reason I was feeling silly, maybe for lack of a better word, and I started working on this this tapping part that reminded me of the Fall of Troy or some, some band like that. And I worked on it for a couple hours and got this finished little tapping riff and sent it mostly as a joke to the rest <laughs> of the band. And allegedly they liked it (laughs) because it ended up being, you know, kind of uh, in the the quote unquote final version of the song, or at least this current iteration of the song. Yeah. I'm not sure where I was going with that anecdote, but (laughs) (laughs) it's nice to have connection in working on something. I think it helps with the slog of, of creativity.
4: And it's like your checkpoint is the like social pressure and encouragement of others to kind of be that. Railway to keep you going, which is something that I, I feel like I can, that's like my sole existence as a musician and an artist. And it, it's like a perpetual thing for me as like an artist who doesn't feel like I ever actually make anything. Like my work is being a student and reinterpreting work. So it, I feel like I don't even have that checkpoint of I made BA. It's I need to artificially set deadlines and performances for myself. Otherwise I will be forever lost in the sea of self-loathing.
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just one deep. Mm. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean that that resonates that resonates so much. Um, you know, of course, of course, for us outside of academia, uh, well, outside of uh, artistic academia, I think I think maybe I'm the one who does that uh, in the band. I think definitely not setting deadlines because you know god forbid with these things that we do but um I think certainly the sense that the ideas have have to come from somewhere uh and and there are there are there are big seasons of what feels like nothing and 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 i think I think in those times i've historically felt like very lost and very very disconnected yeah I mean like I've lost sleep over like hey it's been three months there's no new sketch it's just you in this room there's nothing there's just nothing or sometimes even longer than that right um and yeah yeah and it's 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 so alienating and so isolating um and to not be able to like come to the band with like new stuff but when i do come up with new stuff i come up with as much as i can so that you know it gives me a little bit of like it gives me a little bit of a cushion till they realize that like i'm out game <laughs> <laughs> has
3: no sketches
1: yeah yeah, I mean, again, the Google Drive um, is is you know is, it's there for a reason. If anyone ever bothers me about new sketches, there's there's a bunch. <laughs> there's, <laughs> it's like
4: go out track six, bitch. Yeah. Figure it
0: out.
1: <laughs> go to the Google Drive. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear about <laughs> this
0: again. <laughs> Leave me in my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's something there too, though. The The problem with any level of academic art is that its existence is so insular. And one, one, one thing that people have a really hard time, and I've seen this over and over and experienced it myself, is that you leave academia for a short time or a long time and realize that that's actually, that the world actually works without deadlines. And like, that's how it is everywhere. And some people myself included, really like benefit from that constant, like, I need to make new work. You know, I have three months to finish a, to come up with a project and finish it and, and turn that out. But, you know, then you then you get out into the, the, you know, the real world and that's not, no. there's nobody who comes along and says, hey, you got three months to cook up a new project and we'll base your worth off of that. At the end of the day, you have to be the person that does that. Nobody ever teaches you how to deal with that. Mm. Nobody ever taught me. I'm still same. Doing it poorly. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. But it feels like there should be somebody. I'm I'm waiting for them to come along.
4: Therapy?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. It's it's the answer was always psychologytoday.com. <laughs> uh uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, therapy is cost prohibitive. Well, so is school. So is art. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so. so is life. Yeah. So is, li- so is life. <laughs> yeah. So is life. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, I think I think going into going into making music, I think, I, yeah, there was never there was there's always massive discussions around everything else. It seems like you know technique, what you need to know how to approach things you know some people even talk about songwriting with you know a dubious amount of authority and but then but then you know like no one is really talking to you about uh what that feels like and what you know and outside of like extremely romanticized examples i don't think there's much conversation about what the kind of daily creative process looks like john recently for this this song that we're this new song that i've been working on john maybe uh or our drummer nick recommended i do like sort of i keep a log every time i add something to to a version of the song and it has been kind of like every day and maybe i'm just realizing this week like i actually just started it like in the past week and maybe i'm just realizing like how much time like i spend either thinking about this or theorizing about these songs or you know, I was reading over the notes this week. I was like, okay, it's been about a week that I've been doing this. I was just going over it and so much. All right. Uploading to the Google drive so I can listen to it on my drive to work. will update with ideas. If I have any, you know, (laughs) (laughs) no one has ever taught me that it would either be like that or it didn't have to be like that, or it has to be like that in terms of work discipline. I have been improvising for years for 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 better and and mainly for worse
0: (laughs) yeah just this
1: just this just forever forever pressure and friction with with time and yeah I always remember these dates and I think I think folks think it's because I I have a good memory but I think it's because I'm resentful at myself (laughs) you know that I remember why how long all these things take it's probably because I'm a little bit resentful at myself and I'm a little bit resentful at all this time and probably like expressing this frustration with the seas not parting or the sky you know the the light not shining on me the way that i want it to shine
4: so when you do release work out into the world your baby has flown the coop do the seas part do all the things that you like hope to get out of productivity happen
1: (laughs) i mean i oh Uh, maybe someone else can answer this and i can think about it for a sec
2: I don't know. It's really interesting. It's an interesting question because we haven't released anything before the single that just came out two weeks ago since 2017. And the band dynamic and the band in general and the sound and how we operate has changed so drastically, like so much. So I, I, I don't know. It's very different now. And it's weird to be releasing music in a pandemic, you know, like it's all just very different but I, I do feel like when we released Middle Child, our song that came out two weeks ago, it felt like validation. It felt like the time, taking the time, making the space for ourselves in the process was worth it. Because I think one of the reasons why it, it took so long to come out was because we went through some like pretty massive personal shifts over the last two years, but we made space for it. You know, We said there's no point in pushing a release if it doesn't feel good there's no point in pushing a release if it doesn't feel done if we're not ready like we gave ourselves the time and space to make sure that it would feel as meaningful to give it to other people as it did to make it so I think we were super lucky with this single that it was you know received well by people it moved a lot of people in the same way that it moves us and I don't know if that's a guarantee every time, but that's what we're going for, you know? And so if that does happen whenever we release something, then yeah, that's, that's the magic, I think. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting hearing Hisham talk about this because I think both John and I maybe don't believe in ourselves enough to be in the position where we're, you know, planting the seeds. I don't know if you feel that way, John, I have a feeling you do. John and I kind of have same brain a little bit. What you know, when we were talking about like pressure, and you know that other people are relying on us to do our part, like that's part of it in the band. But I think the other thing that maybe is is motivating me more in the band is that I know how important it is to Hisham, and so like it's not that I don't want to like let him down or like not do my job. It's that I want to do as much as I possibly can to make sure that he is supported because it means so much to him. And because Hisham and I also like, we speak the same musical language. Like a lot of times I think we're finishing each other's sentences when we're writing guitar parts and stuff. And so, you know, if he has an idea that's moving him deeply, like it's not like, you know, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like a job. It's more like this is a thing that is important to him and like he could finish it without me or I could give everything that I have in that moment to make him feel like he's not alone in this. And that I think over time has developed into a really beautiful dynamic that leads to us like examining our relationships with each other in the band, like everybody individually as a group and just sort of like appreciating how much openness and honesty comes from the songwriting and how much we have to accept it and be tender with that when we're writing back on top of it. You know what I mean? So it it doesn't, it can. And I think it has in the past felt a little bit like this is an obligation and like, I don't want to get in trouble for not doing my part. <laughs> but over time it's become more of like a, like, I know this means a lot to you. And so like, I'm going to give this to you because I love you and it's worth it for both of us and so I think that that is maybe a little bit more important these days um especially now in the pandemic you know
4: that's beautiful There's a lot of love I mean I don't think you need this validation anymore but like I heard the song and that was when I knew I had to f- find a way to coerce you onto the podcast <laughs> so
2: thank you that's That's very, I'm so glad that you liked it. We all need to maybe, I don't know, work on our (laughs) self-esteem a little bit, but it's just, it's a a band of so many people from like very different musical backgrounds and it's hard to describe the music. It's hard to describe the band. And so when you can't like present it as like a perfectly branded (laughs) marketing package, I think sometimes you feel yourself going a little bit like, well, I don't know, is it worth it? You know what I mean? And so that's... Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it too. I know I, I definitely like, I don't even think of myself as a guitar player sometimes, which is incredibly dumb, super dumb, but I'm, you know, a femme person who didn't grow up with any, like any women or femme people playing the kind of music that I'm playing now that I could look up to. And so it's so confusing to like fit myself into this narrative. And so the easiest way for me to do that is to once again, like speak Hisham's language or John's language and like work with them and create something together. It just feels a little bit easier to, to make space for myself when they're like sharing it with me.
3: And I think as a band, we do have a very healthy dynamic with feedback and taking each other's contributions seriously. You know, we do disagree at times about how some part should sound or what the general feel of a song is or whether or not the tone knob on my guitar is turned down too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we all do feel very comfortable voicing any thoughts that we have, any concerns or positive things to say about whatever it is we're working on, which is nice. Yeah. I know some people don't have that. I know some bands get in silly arguments about stuff all the time. Yeah.
2: We've had our fair share. We've just grown up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, I think also just doing this for, for quite some time together does help with that. Uh, uh, yeah. I think you're right, John, we do a good job of that. That's nice. Check. Yeah. some on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I always think about, I always think about that because in my mind, when I, when I approach the band with a song idea, I don't know if I ever feel like, hey, this is worth, this is worth talking about necessarily I I don't think there's an absolute sense that this is an idea worth sharing or just like y'all stop what you're doing. Let's, you know, let's rally around this. I don't think I ever have (laughs) that sense either.
2: But you have something that pushes you to do it.
1: Yeah. I don't really, I don't really know necessarily what that is. I don't think I have a full, full sense of, of what that is. I know that there's generally a moment that feels big at the beginning of Every sketch that I write, just something that I feel if I'm playing guitar, if I'm playing keys or if I'm, you know, working on something, there's a lot of, you know what, actually, I take that back. There's a lot of trust in that. Hey, I had this very big feeling and we're going to work on honoring that big feeling. And so I guess that does come from like a sense that this is somehow important. I'm uncomfortable saying that. That sounds silly saying that out loud. I mean, (laughs) but why? you know, just being a, a person. Yeah, just taking up space is hard, even I think even for me. And I feel like I know I take up a lot of space and I think I take up a lot of space while trying not to take up a lot of space. And I think I think that's always I think that's always in the at the center uh, of, of a lot of like these ideas that I'm working on and making music. So it's a little strange. It's a little strange to hear, you know, this idea that like I bring the seed because it doesn't it it's it's weird. It's a weird thought.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the break. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to our guest, Post65, for coming on this episode. Uh, if you like what you hear, if you like the sound of these guys, they're really wonderful, and their music is really good. Um, make sure to check them out wherever you stream music. Um, and if you're feeling really generous, head on over to Bandcamp and pick up one of their singles or one of their EPs. Show them some love. Still no sponsors this week. Kind of a weird time to be looking for sponsors, I guess, but with the world falling apart and all. Uh, but if you know anybody who would like to pay us to continue making this podcast, uh, get us in touch. If you have that info or if you have anything else that you want to say to us, you can always email us. Email address is meaningwhatpod at gmail.com. That is M-E-A-N-I-N-G-W-H-A-T-P-O-D at gmail.com. Next week, we are going to be having a inauguration special. Chris, Sean, and myself will be talking about the history of the presidential inauguration through the lens of the performers that are chosen to perform there. It's a really interesting conversation. We just recorded it. It's, uh, there's a lot in there. I hope that you check it out. That's all for today. If you haven't already, make sure to check out our newsletter, follow us on social media. All those links are in the episode description. And until then, enjoy the rest of the episode, and we will talk to you next week. Maybe to jump off of that a little bit and loop it back into something you said, Kim, since the music is kind of deeply personal in nature or or comes from this point of vulnerability for one particular band member, do the two of you find yourselves, you you are there sort of supporting this vision. Do you find yourselves finding your own personal ways in or do you try to keep it about?
2: The former, I think. I think we find, well, I, I do. I definitely find my own ways in. I think with with middle child in particular or single, it's about Hisham's dad and loss, grief, you know, and that's not something that I experienced directly, but I was there when it happened. I saw him hurting. I can empathize. I hated that it happened. I hated that he was sad. And like all of that came into what I wrote on top of the seed idea. So in that way, like it is about him and it's about his experience, but I can bring the empathy and I can bring the sort of care and tenderness that I bring to our relationship into those guitar parts. And I think that that is something that like maybe not everybody gets to do or can do, but because, you know, Hisham is transparent about what the songs are about and and what he's feeling, it's pretty easy to one way or another find yourself fitting in there. You know, they're definitely songs that I think are, are about friendships and relationships. And sometimes maybe we, the band members and I don't know pop into the content in that way, like it's pretty easy to be like, well, I'm part of this, so I'm gonna write from my perspective in this story. But even even when it's about Hisham's feelings, you know, about not being in the same country where he grew up or not being able to go home when there is the travel ban Like even when that stuff is happening, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Like I'm seeing him feeling it in real time. And that is what's propelling all of the choices that I'm making on guitar, all of the choices I'm making from an arrangement standpoint. Point all of the ways that we try to build and contract and stretch and create tension is coming from the in-person interactions. I think maybe that's a little bit rare, which is like it's not lost on me how special that is. So we we fit in one way or another, and it's really cool. Yeah, it'd be great if it were a job. <laughs> it would be great if we could if we could make a living doing any of this at this point. That is. I mean certainly not right now it is not possible but yeah it's it's more than that and I think again like not having shows is kind of proving that to be even more true you know like it's not about the shows and like making 20 bucks or getting eight drink tickets or whatever like it's just <laughs> never it's never been about that it's been about you know like the love that we all have for each other and like being there in the dark times and it's just about so much more and it's the coolest so it feels very lucky
3: I'm just thinking about the show we played on tour in Manhattan where we got eight bucks, I think, was what (laughs) we got.
4: (laughs) Oh, my God.
3: So tour is definitely not about making money.
2: Yeah. They only paid us for the number of people we brought that walked through the door and said they were there for our band beyond 10. So it was like we got 10 people, then they only paid us for the amount after that, which is like two people.
1: No, I think we brought in 11 people exactly, so we just got there paid go. for the one.
2: So we got 8 bucks.
1: It was very funny cuz I think the bartender felt particularly bad handing me $8 in singles <laughs> <laughs> in an envelope and then was and then literally just said I, I don't know, man, do you like want some burgers or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think we, the thing is I think we played well we the performance was good <laughs> but I remember very well just the bartender just being like man I, I don't do you want some burgers I make you some margaritas I'll get some frozen margaritas I'll just you know how many is it five got is it just five yeah yeah let me just <laughs> we should just like wrangle up some sort of like Sad, yeah, just Sibbety like deft. some sort of, yeah, just like some some little like desperate care package for for <laughs> you weary travelers, <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know if it I don't know if it hurts or helps that two of the eleven people were my parents.
4: <laughs> that was the difference, though, right? That could have been the difference. We were yeah.
2: Really rock stars that tour, <laughs> but here is the thing, right? Is like. That sucked. It sucked. But like when we can tour again, I'd do it again. Oh, yeah. Because for, you know, for every crappy show where there's only 10 people, there's usually at least one who is like near tears at the end or like stops you and is like, please tell me where I can listen to your music. Like, that's all we want is to just connect with people.
1: I think at that very show, a friend of, uh, a friend of John's, I was, I was standing outside. I was contemplating or maybe a little further along in my thought process starting to whirlpool into spirals. And a friend of John's came up to me and she was just like, Hey, like I heard your lyrics and this is really good and thank you. And like I heard you and I was just like, oh like I remember just being kind of it's like a punch in the stomach a little bit. But yeah, I mean that happens and that's that's an amazing feeling. I mean like that's 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 still an amazing feeling. All of this to say sorry John for interrupting your story about the 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 show at a venue in Manhattan
3: that shall not be named. I mean, that was all I wanted to say is that they gave us $8. <laughs> we played really well. Yeah. It was a very good show, though. I remember having a great time. <laughs>
1: $8 <laughs> a single.
0: A and, payment and, and an and apologetic us.
1: burgers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> payment are the apologies you collect along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the
3: apology
1: was the payment all along and they are many <laughs> the apologies are plentiful
0: <laughs> I well you know and in a situation like that you think well how many how many nights does that bartender stand there and just listen to people who are trying real hard yeah or not and mm. and it's just not working and then he hands them eight dollars and it's just you know then somebody comes along and he's like oh this is you know this is good. I'm, I'm into this and I still have to give them $8 because yeah. of this place that I work.
2: Well, at. the venue in question is just like a music factory and that is the worst. It's like five bands in one night and you have like a 30 minute set and then you got to get out of there. You know, like if they're not, they know the real estate that they have and they know how cool it is to be able to say, I played a show in New York, you know?
1: Yeah. We won't name the venue in question. <laughs> Never never
4: it's on the tour poster right oh no
1: well it's
0: from an old tour so you'd have to go digging
4: i saw it before anyways (laughs)
0: well i think one of the hardest things to like communicate for people who are outside of whatever your particular practice is is that everything has situations like that like there are music factories and there are like the touring art shows and nightclubs and stuff that exist because there is a market for people who are desperate for that line on their resume or that level of exposure or that chance at one or two people in the audience that will hook on and it's hard because you have to like I, I feel like you have to balance this between like yeah I showed or yeah I played and that's really cool and and I have that opportunity but also you know I'm I'm doing it in these sort of situations that are designed just for for that in particular that's a that is an unfortunate constant that seems to make up so much of our our time
2: it's a wild it's a wild culture this sort of DIY you know music in particular i can't speak much to other art spaces but yeah like DIY touring and DIY music it is absolutely wild (laughs) you know you tell a story like the eight bucks story I think anybody who's not part of it just wouldn't understand you know why that's worth it there's like a something that I am learning more and more about and getting more frustrated about is like the lack of respect for the amount of time that people take to do those shows you know and like I don't know I could go on about it, but it's, it's very weird. I think you just have to kind of hope that the people who see you like really capital S see you will understand that. Like if, if you're telling a story about a bad show, like, and you're still excited about it, they'll see that and they'll see that it's worth your time and they'll see that you're following your passion and that's worth it. I think like with my funny enough with my parents in particular, like, They have come to so many shows and they've come to a lot of empty shows and like they're jazzed every time because they know that it's just my favorite thing to do is to be on stage with these guys. So, you know, that's as long as they can tell. And as long as like the happiness and the fulfillment is radiating out of us, like you just got to kind of buck up and deal with it, I guess, but sucks.
4: Can you stop bragging about your wildly supportive parents? (laughs) Can you please stop?
2: (laughs) They're so nice though. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's it's so it's so I haven't processed that they're so supportive. Like sometimes I just like forget because for I I mean I I grew up a jock. Like I was a, a jock. I played a lot of sports my whole life and I came to music kind of late. So it's like very funny that they have sort of stood by this like very dramatic shift in my personality and my hobbies. So I just, I, it's just nice. I feel like it's, it's, it's being seen, you know, it's like the actual me is out when I'm playing music and they see it and they're there for it. And that's just so special. So <laughs> weird, weird feelings. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre.
4: But like so important and so beautiful. But like that, so important. Right. That the one who sees you is right there. Yeah.
2: And I, but I, and I think that's what happens with, you know, the strangers that we play for on tour is like, sometimes they see you, they really see you. There are people that we've met in cities that we'd never been to before who were so moved. And it's like, you fall in love in that moment, you know, like you're falling in love with strangers just because they feel exactly what you're feeling and what you're portraying when you're playing. And like, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Just falling in love with people over and over again. It feels so good.
0: Yeah. And, and there's some level of just like recognizing that that has to be the goalpost too i think you know like Mm -hmm. like like realizing that the point is to sort of find the people that are there to do that and and that are are not just like willing to give you that space but who genuinely do and genuinely want to be there and genuinely want to experience what you're sort of giving them and sometimes it's your parents and sometimes it's your friends and sometimes yeah. it is a handful of random people that wandered in and yes. and and they're all super legitimate and and it's so easy to like get trapped in this idea that we have culturally of like it's not worth doing until you are financially successful mm-hmm. you know and I think I've I've always thought, and I and I still do think that like the antidote to that is shifting those goal po- goalposts from like all of the people that will not care until you have some sort of measurable success to the people who care because they're just they just care, they're, mm-hmm. just, they're just there to care.
2: Yeah, that's that's how our release felt. You know, like we didn't have any like you know we weren't in Pitchfork or Stereo Gum. Like we didn't have any massive national write-ups or anything but there were so so many people who we haven't seen in person you know in nine months now just coming out of the woodwork and they were there for it and they were waiting for it and they were excited and they talked about it like that's yeah that's exactly it so that's like What an incredible moment to have, and just like a sea of shit this year is to just like have that where we did exactly that. Like the goalposts were shifted. You know, we weren't releasing music in hopes of like getting a label, you know, or like finding a manager. It's just like there are people out there who need to hear it as much as we needed to make it. And I think that we're pretty good, even when things are sort of normal and busier, at reminding ourselves of that. But sometimes we can get a little bit lost in the you know, Richmond in particular is a very competitive music city. It's so, just so lush and so filled with so many good musicians. And so it can be a bit of a hustle.
1: Yeah. I think the sort of participation-based model of sharing art instead of this, like, transmission model of, like, I'm going to make the art and give it to a bunch of people and they're going to go crazy. And, like, somehow it's just going to be me I can't remember who said this, someone smart, probably Um, just kind of like this hypodermic needle model of, of communication, right. Of like, here's content, (laughs) right. And you just like inject a group of people with that content and then just like see as like, there's excitement that builds or whatever. And I think, you know, our music, I think is a little, uh, is demanding. And I think emotionally, (laughs) but I think on the one hand it is that. But I think that also means that maybe it's more open for participation, more active participation emotionally. And I think with this last song that we released, I think we, I personally felt that a great deal. I I got, yeah, I mean, just had a lot of folks come out um, of the woodwork and just, you know, talk to me about their experience of the song or their experience of loss or, you know, the the strange cabal of orphans that we have here in Richmond just who wanted to talk about who just wanted to talk about what happened when they lost their their mom or their dad or just or their parent and they just wanted to talk about it on that day and on that weekend. And that felt I mean that felt really good, right? That felt that felt uh really validating and that also felt like, you know, I, I um, I missed my father's funeral because I couldn't go back home fast enough because of, I had just come back and then he passed away like 24 hours after I come I came back from Morocco because he was he was in the ICU for a while and then he got out and they are like oh, it's fine. And I was like, all right, I'm coming back to the US. And I got here maybe on a Sunday night or a Monday morning and I think he he, he died on the, on the Tuesday morning and because I had just gone to Morocco and because of the travel ban and all that stuff, My immigration lawyer was like, I would not recommend you go back right now. And because it's a Muslim country, everyone gets, everyone's buried within 24 hours of dying. So I missed, you know, I missed the funeral. And eight months later started writing this song. Not really, I mean, like all of my experiences of the funeral are my, my uh, former sister-in-law sending me WhatsApp videos of like, Hey, here's what's going on right now. And it's like, this is your house. And bad quality because there were too many people with cell phones in the house and just like sending me pixelated videos of like people crying. And, and she was like, I'm sorry, I can't do more for you. This is all I have. And, um, you know, and then I just went back to work the next day and, uh, started writing the song like eight months later or something like that. And maybe it wasn't until two weeks ago that I got like there was this very i mean like every like a bunch of people shared the album art which is just a picture of my dad right and and it's a bunch of people who are important to me so many of them are so important to me who did not have kind of like an imagination of my father before this because none of them met him and right and so like this this entire grief process was just something that i was kind of like doing alone because the person i was referring to was a person only i knew my friends as soon as he died my friends started hearing a lot more stories about my dad uh i think almost immediately i started talking about him i think more often and about like all the goofiness and the silliness and all that stuff but i think you know that big part of grieving of having like this you know the release day for me felt like like just a massive vigil for the people who are now important to me, who are connecting with an old part of me. And, you know, a sort of confederation of orphans over here was quick to answer the call. <laughs> the, 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 the junta was quick to, to answer the call of like, just like everyone started sharing stories. And, you know, of course some, some that were expected, some with which we had kind of like shared this vulnerability around losing a parent, but some who were just like, just just you know, and I and I say this with with all of the respect I can muster, but just dudes, you know, just boys, who who before this I've never had any emotional conversation with, and I think I think they were able to respond to this with as much eloquence as we can expect said boys to 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 kind of you know to kind of do, but, but but you know, I mean, and I thought I thought that was really wonderful. I had I had this one guy who I never had any like deep conversation with. He's like, dude, like. Is this about like your dad or something. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I've been pretty open about it. He was like, man, life, geez. Yeah. Wow. This made me feel a lot. And we had a long conversation around it. Uh, This is another musician and he was very sweet and very kind and clearly wanted, just wanted to just like have this long conversation, like over Instagram messenger about like what that feels like, just what that feels like and what writing about it was like. And you know, yeah. Yeah. And I thought this kind of communal sense that this is at that at the moment of the release, it felt like it was easy to rally around the song and seeing so many folks do that in our community was just, yeah, really beautiful. I mean, I, I on that day, I wasn't really too worried about the bigger logistical things or, and I don't think I am still, I mean, am very proud of the work. Something that I've said before that between the years of 2018 and 2019 this is the best I could do to write about this that's all it is could have recorded it better of course could have written better sentences of course but this is during that time this is the best I could do and you know of course that as as we know the danger of any short piece or any song is the danger and the promise is that it can be perfect and yeah I mean like that's that's strange thing to think about but yeah I mean just like this communal sense of being able to to share this song and share this feeling and see so many people put up pictures of my dad. I mean, like, like that, that just, yeah. I mean, like these are people that I love who are just like honoring someone who I loved and who they never had any contact with. And that was, that was big for me, you
0: know? And and perfect or not at the end of the day, it accomplishes more than maybe you could even hope that it would. Right. And in, in doing that.
1: Um, I thought so. I, yeah. Yeah. The way, the way that I think folks interacted with it and, but the way that I interact with the song now and the way that I am yeah, very happy with, I'm very happy with that.
4: And it's like that, that vulnerability you allowed yourself and your bandmates in the, that process to happen allowed listeners and gave listeners the permission to access that space of vulnerability, um, whether it's in sympathy or in their own personal spaces of, vulnerability yeah
1: i hope so i mean i know i know that this resonated differently with other other bandmates i think so i wrote it in january of 2018 but i remember in july of 2018 maybe like it took a second but john just we i had just moved to to richmond i was driving home from the grocery store and i remember getting a text from john where i think he had just like maybe processed it for the first time and it was just the first verse i think but he was just like this one is real good like just, I remember out of nowhere and I had already started writing other things. And I was like, wait, wait, what, which one is he talking about? But I remember like, and I know that this one, um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk for you, John, but I remember like the way that at that moment I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is connecting with him as well in a way that felt really wonderful. Yeah. And I think, you know, like Kim and I are in close contact often. And so I think it's less of a surprise that it, Resonated with her, because, but, but I think for John, it it was like a few months had gone by, and then he said something that was like, "Oh, oh, I think, I think it hit him."
3: <laughs> yeah, i I remember that. I don't know what it is, but I am so slow with processing new music. Whether it's like a new album I'm listening to, or it's music that we're working on, I will not understand it until I've heard it thirty times. You know, or even. I, I, it'll take three months. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just can't process things.
1: Do you remember what had, like you had listened to it a few times before,
3: right? And then, and then did you just listen to it again? You were like,
1: wait, what? (laughs) Like, was that, was that the feeling?
3: (laughs) I don't know. I think, I think it was finally processing the words because when I listen to music, I think lyrics are something that I focus on last a lot of the time. And so I'd gotten to a point where I kind of had a sense of, you know the sonic feel of the song, but by that point, I was starting to listen to the lyrics a little more, a little more closely. And I think three settings at the table now was the one where I was like, "Oh, okay, this 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 hits a little differently." Yeah, that was it. it was just getting to that point where I was processing the lyrics a little more, more closely.
1: Well, that's exciting because uh, I always wondered. I always meant to ask you about that. I was like, "Wait, what was happening that day?" Because I, yeah, again, like I, I was driving home from the grocery store. I remember that because, like, I had like I was driving, and I think like. I got like maybe three texts from you and I just like looked at him and I was like, Oh, weird. <laughs> John's <is> feelings.
0: <laughs> no, no,
1: I, not that. I think, I think John's expresses feelings about songs, but it was just like, I had maybe forgotten a little bit about, cause I just had the first verse for a long time. I had like the first verse with like some drums and for, for from January until August of 2018. And so like, uh, I I was working on other stuff and kind of like getting used to the move. So I felt like so much life had happened between um, that first verse and starting to write the second verse or anything like that. And so like getting those texts, I i, remember being, I just remember being like, "Oh, we used—I used to live in another city when I started this. This is this is so long ago." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that's why I always remembered that.
0: Is there any upcoming work? Or anything in the works that you guys wanted to mention real quick?
1: Oh, 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 there, oh, there is.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We have a song that I think we'll be releasing sometime later this winter, early spring. And again, I think, you know, we're, I think in terms of plans, we're, we're for now trying to do it one song at a time, just because... This is an employee owned situation, so so we are we are we are you know we we literally own the meager means of production here <laughs> literally uh yeah so so we're you know so we're gonna do this I think one song at a time for now, yeah, yeah, we're uh i'm st- st- still still writing, and we're still working Can i b-
4: <laughs> Can
2: I be more specific <laughs> because I'm really excited, but yes. you're being way too candid right now. Um, <laughs> So we, so middle child came out two weeks ago. Um, We may have a remix that a friend of ours is doing Um, that we are super, super excited about that hopefully is going to come out maybe in January. It, we got a little taste of it and it is so, so cool. Like I almost started crying. Um, and then, yeah, we have another new song coming out in February, I think, right around Valentine's Day. Very big dramatic shift in terms of content. Really going to be a heartbreaker, one that makes me cry every time I listen to it. <laughs> so basically, I'm going to be crying for the next two months straight. Um, and we're also working on um, some music videos, possibly, because I think the our band is very visual The way that we write often includes like sort of visual descriptors of the space that we try to fill. So music videos are really important to us. And especially while we can't play out, we wanted to just like, you know, put as much art as possible out there around these songs. So we have some incredible friends in Richmond that we're going to work with. And yeah, those will come out in the spring. So we got some good stuff on the way. It feels really nice.
1: That's true. You, I um, I don't, I I rarely make promises, and whenever I make them, I tend to break them. So, <laughs> uh, so I just <laughs> that's actually that's that true? no, that that's not true. That's I think that's a the there's a French writer called Jules Renard, and and he he always used to say that, which I think is the words for just being a fuck boy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but sorry for cursing.
0: Ditto. That's fine. You know. The explicit rating is there for a reason. Well, thank you guys. Thank Thank you you so much for coming on. Um, Thank you.
2: Yeah, I feel like we could talk to you both forever. (laughs) So delightful.
0: Um, For folks who don't know your music and would like to find you, where can they find you?
1: We are on all streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We are on Google Music. Um, We are also on Bandcamp. Um, We... The name of the band is Post Sixty Five, all letters, no hyphens, three words. Did I did I forget anything?
2: I think we're on title now or Pandora, YouTube.
1: We are on title. I think <laughs> I, I'm trying. Yeah. T- I'm trying to do an aggressive takeover to get us on Shazam. Um, so you know, keep <laughs> keep your ears to the ground because because this is you know. We're also aggressive in the boardroom, um, so that's an, another
0: episode that we can we can do. We, I think, we're going to need to have you back on just for uh, for those discussions specifically. <laughs> I, I want to explore that one, yeah. and I want to explore um, non-denominational snickerdoodles too a little <laughs> oh, yeah. bit more. I think that's critical yes. conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Course. yeah oh. That's a com- it's missing um, from you know from the zeitgeist yeah i would say so we really need to bring it up (laughs) (laughs) y'all
1: thank you so much Uh, this was so much fun uh Mm, it's delightful yeah thanks for setting it up thanks for taking the time um
0: yeah thank you It's no Sam Studios. Well, actually... Did I stutter?